morning, bitches, and welcome to Wellness For Real. It's your girl, Marlena. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest, Dr. Steph from Texacoma Counseling in Sherman, Texas. She comes on and we just chat about unfucking your mind and your body when it comes to food and how we view ourselves. She is a licensed professional counselor with a PhD in health psychology. So I kind of think she knows what she's talking about, guys. She has over 10 years of experience in helping all sorts of people who struggle with eating disorders, trauma, self-esteem, depression, and anxiety. So I think that this is a topic we can all relate to. So buckle up because this episode is about to get really real, y'all. All right. So today, Felicia and I are joined by Dr. Steph of Texacoma Specialty Counseling. How are you today, Steph? I'm great. How are y'all? Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining us. So you are an eating disorder specialist. And so we wanted to have you on so we could really talk about what that looks like. Um, And the first question that came to my mind Mm -hmm. was, what is the difference between an eating disorder and disordered eating? (laughs) Okay, let me get my words so I get it straight. So disordered eating is behaviors around a lot of food rules, um, not really liking your body, right? So you're trying to change it, um, feeling some angst and, and, and upset around food and your relationship with it, which honestly I think is most people. It's just these behaviors that we do with food to try to control or manipulate um, the food that we're eating and, and our body size. Disordered eating can turn into an eating disorder. So everybody who has an eating disorder, like a clinical eating disorder diagnosed, has disordered eating, but it's more really interfering with their life, their relationships, their um, their mental health, and, and, and their just functioning in all areas of life is really impacted by their relationship with food and their relationship with their body. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, hmm, that's kind of a confusing line, it is a really confusing line. I think, you know, that they can, those things can't, disordered eating um, can swing in many different directions. So you're saying you can have disordered eating, but not have a full-blown clinical eating, eating disorder. disorder. But if you have an eating disorder, it's usually you have, you have both. Right, right. And disordered eating, I, I think it's still pretty significant to, um, it still affects our mental health, our physical health, our, it affects us um, greatly. It, it just may feel normal or it may feel accepted or it may feel um you, you know everybody's doing these things right um but but i it's just feeling odd for me i'm feeling anxious right again most people do these things um because we all have kind of fucked up relationships with food totally <laughs> yeah <laughs> when i think of like patterns like for me when i would do like okay i'm going on a diet on monday and then by thursday 
um, I'm over the diet. So then I'm going to start again on Monday. So then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm overeating. Maybe not like eating disorder, but I'm overeating. I'm having six pieces of pizza instead of three. I'm going to eat all the crappy foods because I'm starting again on Monday. So I'm going to get ready on Sunday for Monday by buying healthy foods. And that would be sort of a reoccurring pattern that I would do every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's disordered. Like, you know, sort of like that's a disordered. Absolutely. Because pattern. what happens with that, how that you get, sh- we, we feel ashamed. We feel guilty. You're telling yourself I have to start over because you're telling yourself you've done something wrong and you have to like make up and compensate in a way which food behavior is so fucking easy it really is very basic and so if you're like eating and you're feeling feels about it I think that is some kind of disordered eating right and then if it's really significant I'm gonna say that probably is maybe call uh you need to get help regardless right just get help if you feel you have a fucked up relationship with food Totally. And that, that was actually going to be my next question is like, when do you know you need help, right? When do you need extra support? I think if you're just, the behavior Felicia was describing is, um, okay, maybe kind of not that big of a deal, just behaviorally, right? Like sometimes we overeat, sometimes we don't eat enough in a day. Um, sometimes we eat a lot of fast food. Sometimes we eat home-cooked meals food behavior really truly vacillates basically that's normal to do those things but then felicia feeling the shame and the guilt and the anxiety that's not normal we're not supposed to feel bad about eating ever no because we need it to live right (laughs) right i mean like and i think that was it i was younger and that was kind of a little bit of a pattern I would have like it would be like I'm going on a diet and then it doesn't work and then I'm going to not go on a diet so I'm going to binge eat a little mm-hmm. bit and overeat not crazy and then I'm going to start again on Monday and it was an ongoing cycle and then I just quit oh doing God. it like I, I mean who hasn't been there to be uh, who hasn't been in that cycle we're just taught we can control things and we can control food and we control our bodies so when things get hard or we feel uncomfortable, that's what we go to. Let me try to diet. That'll make me feel better. Totally. So you mentioned that like in its essence, right? Eating should be simple, right? Mm -hmm. So I I see this whole movement of intuitive eating. um, But I also see people even turning that into a Mm -hmm. diet, right? And turning that into diet culture and um, really like Mm-hmm. problematic behavior. So when you say that, like, what do you mean? Like, what, what should it, what should it look like? Eating? It's so nuanced and it's so individual that I could say, eat every two to three hours, eat when you're hungry, eat what sounds good, eat what's available. Um, but, but people are like, what does that mean? Like, how do I even do that? Um, Because it's, you know what it is? Intuitive eating really is eating. It's eating. And because we've grown up in this culture of naming food patterns and food habits and labeling them in a certain way, we're having to name it something 
intuitive eating and try to sell it like it is it, it, not that we're selling intuitive eating, but, but if we just told people we're telling you how to eat, they're going to be like, um, <laughs> I learned that from keto or I right. learned that from, you know, the online, um, fitness influencer. Right. That's how I learn how to eat. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's truly, truly unconditional eating. Wow. I love that. Me so too. we were talking about how, so we're both um, on Weight Watchers or we're part of the Weight Watchers community. And, and for me, like I've lost 70 pounds over the last uh, few years, but over the, especially the last year, I've really just wanted to focus on just being a healthy person, right. And moving mm -hmm. away from tracking food and moving away from weighing myself, even just stepping on the scale, which mm -hmm. is a whole nother battle yeah. <laughs> that I'm dealing with right now. Um, so Felicia and I were chatting about our conversation with you and I was like, I wonder if it's possible to lose weight, but also have food freedom. Wow. That is a, such a good question. And I'm going to give maybe a long answer to that because I'm Perfect. also a health at every size therapist. And, yes. um, <sighs> For those who aren't really sure what that means or confused by what that means, it, it, people like to shame weight. In our culture, we live under this idea of the BMI and, you know, to be in a certain range is a good thing and to be in certain ranges is not a good thing. And as a result of that, people are treated very, very differently in medical settings. Um, people literally aren't being diagnosed for legit medical conditions because we live again in this culture that is labeling everything based on people's weight and we're missing and we're not treating and we're judging people for their weight um, and assuming it's their relationship with food and it's their weight that is causing all of these things. So if we can just help people lose weight, then all of these things will be fixed. But we, body diversity is a thing, just like skin diversity and hair diversity and, and, and right? We're all not supposed to be inside a range, which by the way, the BMI is bullshit. It absolutely has oh, nothing bullshit. to do with weight at all. It's, it was a, racist guy who was, I think like a, a physicist. He was, he would have nothing. To, yeah. And he was creating this, um, this number to, it, it, I don't know the full story. I should know the full story because I've read the book and all those things, but he, it had nothing to do with weight. And all that number has done is just cause a bunch of harm to people and it's kept people from getting help. So to now answer your question, um, if somebody came to me and they said, Stephanie, I'm really uncomfortable with my weight. I am tired of dieting. I want to try this intuitive eating thing, but am I going to lose weight? And I'm going to say, I don't know. And that's not the point. The point is for you to have a relationship of acceptance of yourself and acceptance that your body truly will fluctuate and change weight for all kinds of reasons, but that has nothing to do with you. 
and let's work on eating for yourself, right? And listening to those true intuitive eating skills and see how that makes a difference in your relationship with your body. And if you are practicing regular, consistent health practices, right? Um, it, it takes you from hating your body and wanting to try to change it to more of a gentle, compassionate place with your body. And that goal changes a bit, I think. It's no longer I need to lose weight. It's I'm just doing what I need to do to take care of myself and my body. That's what happened for me. I mean, I think mm -hmm. when I first did Weight Watchers a long time ago, I lost weight and then gained most of it back. Then I was over it. And then I'm 50 and um, everyone in my family has diabetes. My dad died of it. My grandpa has it. My mom has it. And so this time around for me, it was not a vanity driven thing. It was a literally a health driven thing that I just need to make some changes. I need to be more active. I need to get some green juices in and vegetables in and I'm not going to do Weight Watchers in the way that I, I'm just not, I don't weigh, I didn't weigh myself. Mm -hmm. I didn't do any of that. And I did lose weight. Um, and I think now is probably the best relationship that I've had with myself and food. Not that I don't have moments, but sure. I approached it very differently because mm -hmm. it wasn't about being a certain size. It wasn't about my ass right. being smaller or whatever. It was right. just that, you know what? I'm 50 and I don't want my cholesterol to be 200 and I don't, and I don't want to have diabetes. So this right. is what it's, I have to do to do it. What can I do forever? And I can work out a couple of days a week and I can eat. Exactly. A screen what can juice I do forever? That was kind of my, that, that was the shift for me that I needed. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend just die this last, just a few months ago at 50 mm -hmm. of a heart attack and she was 110 pounds. So yeah. she didn't, Clearly, she had a clogged artery and she looked healthy from the outside mm -hmm. because people thought that's what health looks like. You're skinny, so you're healthy. Yep. Therefore, she was fine and she wasn't. <laughs> right. Right. When I was really, really thin um, because of, of orthorexia, I, it was, I was praised. I was dedicated. I was admired. And I had a very, very unhealthy, low heart rate. And they would make comments about the low heart rate, but it was, oh, but, but you're at, you're this athlete, you're this, like, it's okay. You know, it was dismissed. The problem with that kind of thinking in the medical world though, right. Is there are people who have legitimate medical issues. And if we're just looking at weight or at diet as a, as a health requirement, we're missing a lot of things because people are quote unquote healthy, right? With weight or healthy with food and they're not healthy at all. Um, you know, I, I respect the desire to want to lose weight. Who doesn't want to lose weight in this culture? And I think when people hear about intuitive eating or they hear about health at every size, they get, they get really scared of like, well, um, I, I, because they want to lose weight. They feel really uncomfortable. They feel really bad. And it, just like you said, Felicia, maybe it's working on, it's not about vanity. It's how am I feeling and how does food make me feel? When you're eating intuitively, you also eat salads. You also drink the green juice. If you, if you like it, and I love if you it. don't like it, don't drink it. But yeah. if it is, I, I love a good fruit a veggie smoothie every once in a while they taste amazing so you get to eat that 
and the ice cream and the pizza. Right. You get to literally, truly fucking eat anything. Yeah. If it feels good to you and your body. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, I, previous to even starting Weight Watchers, I actually suffered from binge eating disorder pretty much my entire life. Um, and it took me a couple of years of therapy mm-hmm. um, and to learn that that was rooted in trauma that I had experienced at a young age and that my weight was kind of like this protection that I had mm-hmm. um, and that food was what I turned to. And um, I don't think if I hadn't done therapy first, if I I wouldn't be where I am now if I hadn't explored that option. And something that I hear so often from people is like, oh, well, therapy is so expensive. You know, even if you have health coverage, it's still, it's expensive. But I always like to remind people that investing in your mental health is super important. Um, So is that something that you kind of hear a lot in in your field? Absolutely. Yes. And, and gosh, yes. I'm, I'm kind of like (laughs) sitting here thinking of just all the ways I hear the stigma around wanting to pay for help. Yeah. No one, not any single person, unless you are a mental health professional and even we're fucked up. So not any single human being (laughs) is taught how to, express fully our emotions and deal with them and part of being a human is we encounter and endure really awful awful terrible things maybe we had a really great childhood but there's also like just trauma and and anxieties and stuff that's just passed down even from like ancestral dna and 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 parenting and things right so all of us are really screwed up (laughs) honestly (laughs) and and we are now well let me diet and lose weight because that will fix me let me spend all of this money because that will fix me let me buy these cars buy these houses um have all these gym memberships you know what are you spending money on in an attempt to try to feel better alcohol drugs when talking to somebody who is not going to judge you and um, isn't going to tell you what to do. Like maybe it'll save you more money down the line. Maybe it'll unfuck you so you can go and make (laughs) a bunch of money after therapy, you know, like it's how much do you spend on Starbucks and your nails and your hair? How much do you spend on diet culture? I mean, when I think about all the crappy ass bars and shit I bought on Instagram from people that taste like crap, but you know, being or because I'm trying to find better, you know, better, you know, choices or not choices, mm-hmm. but like a copycat version of a candy bar, you know, I'm spending $7 right. on one. So you think of the thousands of dollars that people are spending to lose weight, but they don't want to spend money on therapy. And I think Marlene and I were mm-hmm. talking before. It's not about the food. No. <laughs> it's not no. about the food. I mean, no. it's never about the it's food. Never, <laughs> I always say the treatment, the work that I do, helping you improve your relationship with food, just changing your eating behavior is the easiest part of my job. Like we're humans, we have to eat. And so as soon as you kind of get the food and you're a little bit nourished and you start feeling better, you're going to want to keep eating. So it's not about the food at all. It is what is my head telling me about this food? What is my head telling me about my body? How do I feel about these things? And, and, and Marlene, you know, a lot of therapy is required to, 
deal with binge eating because you're right. It's, it has a lot more to do with protecting my psyche and protecting my soul, right? These eating behaviors than it has to do with the eating behaviors. Totally. And something that I see, um, we see the, the term binging thrown around a lot. Right? <sighs> People compare overeating to binging. And as someone who suffers mm-hmm. from binge eating disorder, it really upsets me <laughs> because yeah. even now, um, I can honestly say I've been binge free for, I don't know, I don't, I don't keep track, but mm-hmm. since, since my journey to become that I have been, but I still Yay. overeat, but I still overeat. Me too. <laughs> Every it's, human does really. We, we, we do like, and it's not a bad thing. Yeah. We it, go through shit and we eat. Exactly. It tastes good it, sometimes and I want more <laughs> and that's it. And, and, <laughs> yes. that's, and that's what I was going to say that so, the most powerful thing that I've learned in recovery is when I do overeat, I don't feel bad about it. That's and that, amazing. And that that's stops. a win. Exactly. And that stops that cycle. So I just always want to help other people get mm-hmm. to that point. Um, and just kind of share that information. And I know we're talking about like investing in um, therapy, but there are also a ton of free resources. And you're someone that I have found that's really helped me mm-hmm. um, continue this journey because you do, you, you share so much of your knowledge mm-hmm. for free. <laughs> because it's, so it's, there's stigma around just like mental health therapy and, and accessing it. I think to work with a specialist, it is expensive and there are lots of reasons. Um, insurance makes, there are, there are barriers within the mental health system that make eating disorder treatment difficult to pay for or access. Some places don't have specialists available to them. Um, and so they're great doing great with a therapist, but therapists aren't always taught how to treat eating disorders at all. We're taught, I mean, early in my career, I was still telling people to diet, you know, unfortunately, when they were telling me they had, they felt really overweight or sorry, I hate the overweight word. When they were telling me they felt bad or they were telling me they felt really bad in their body. I was like, Oh, great. Here's some things we can do about that. Right. So we are, we, therapists are trained in those messages. So most, mm, I don't want to say most, there's a lot of eating disorder professionals and non-diet dietitians who are putting a lot of really good content and resources out there. Um, And it's asking questions too. Like ask a therapist, do you have a sliding scale? Do you have options there are grants there there is help and it it can be affordable don't think of it as this like luxury thing um everybody deserves therapy so it is accessible i'm just not saying it's as easy as you know a google search sometimes you have to maybe ask some questions and it's hard to find a therapist i think you Mm -hmm. really do sometimes it takes a few and i think what happens is someone will go meet someone not like them and think all therapists are that way um mm. I, my mom is a licensed social worker so is my, my therapist in my whole family and it takes a while sometimes to feel connected to someone or to feel like somebody sort of gets you or that speaks to you and so yeah. i think that's something that's really important for people to understand that it might take a couple people before you really mm. find someone that 
you connect with that you feel comfortable sort of letting your guard down and you know being 100% honest with I'm too. glad you said that thank you Felicia you're right it, it I get really frustrated when I hear therapy doesn't work because I saw a therapist and it didn't work for me I believe that because maybe that wasn't a right fit therapist for you I'm really just loud and not loud I'm, I'm just very real. I am not professional or uh, clinical at all. And that isn't for everybody. A lot of people could are turned off by the tattoos and the bad words. So, um, and that's fine, but you still deserve help. You, there's still somebody who is a good fit for you. And so ask, right? Like ask, I don't, I don't respond to DMs, but if I get emails and people want help, I try to point them in directions of help. Well, that's nice that you do that. Well, and I think that anybody listening to this podcast, you're probably definitely their type of people. Yes, <laughs> I would agree. A hundred percent. Tattooed, so. foul mouth. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That, that is our demographic here. <laughs> totally. Y'all are my people. Yes. Yes. Uh, we that's got a we tribe. Were- Yeah. That's why we were so excited to have you on. I was actually watching some of your YouTube videos before um, interviewing you today. And something that you said in one of the videos that I was watching is to think of your thoughts as clouds passing by when you're having those negative thoughts. Do you want to elaborate on that? Because I was just like, wow, I've never heard that before. That's awesome. I love it. Our brain is an asshole. And (laughs) our brain is really smart and does a lot um but it has a tendency to just kind of like think and roll and y'all know y'all get in thought spirals where your brain has just kind of led you down this rabbit trail of something that happened when you were seven years old you know like um, (laughs) so thoughts just kind of pop up um but that we're, and so we're taught to pay attention to those thoughts and, and do something with them. And thought diffusion is more the practice of recognizing thoughts and saying, wait a second, is this like, if I can't slow down enough to kind of sit with my thinking and kind of just not judge my thoughts, but observe my thoughts, I can, I can detach from the emotion and the narrative that my brain is wanting to create around that thought. So it's, it's this act of like mm, observing the thought through your brain, not judging it, not criticizing. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just think I'm thinking about a time I embarrassed myself in seventh grade. Okay. So just letting it flow through your brain. I don't have to do anything, fix it, change it, um, go down that. It's on a cloud and it's going to float in and it's going to float out. I like that. Does that help yeah. some? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. thought diffusion and it's, it's, it, it, it's kind of like a meditative thing. Um, it's really hard to do. Like if you're busy at work and your brain's got a lot going on. So it's, something to practice when you can get really quiet for a few minutes and ground yourself and just practice. Can I just let the thoughts roll through my brain without putting any kind of emotional narrative to it? I'm just going to see it and let it go. So I know before um, we started recording here, we were talking about how we're on Weight Watchers. (laughs) For many of us, especially people who are listening to this podcast, 
don't want to do that forever. Right. Yeah. So, and we were talking about how it can even just be triggering and, um, for especially for those of us who mm-hmm. do struggle with eating disorders. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give us to start moving in the right direction? Just stop it, get off of it, cancel it. No, I know it's not that easy. Um, I wish it were that easy. I would think about how are these rules that I'm having to follow? How is it interfering with the way that I want to be living my life? What is truly, truly important to me? That's probably something like, I wanna be doing things with my kids, right? I wanna be working on my career. Maybe write down the most five important things to you, your top five morals and values. How is following these food rules keeping you from, living in those values? How is it keeping you from being the mom? You know, how is it restricting you? And, and then maybe take a step to say, okay, how can I do more of my value, right? How can I be doing more of these things that are most important to me and maybe start with one less diet thing? You know, maybe you're just going to decide I'm not going to track on Wednesdays, right? then I'm not going to track on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So you kind of just peel back one rule, right? You're going to challenge one little rule at a time and see how that gives you more freedom to be in alignment with those values. Yep. I love that. That's how I kind of do it. I don't Mm -hmm. do Weight Watchers like you're supposed to do it (laughs) at all. Uh, But I I don't, I don't either. I honestly, I stopped tracking for months. Um, because like I said, it is my ultimate goal is to just have food freedom and just to be healthy and be well. And that's it. Right. Like I don't, I'm tired of it being complicated. Yes. And what's frustrating about Weight Watchers and other similar programs is, you know, they claim we're going to help you improve your relationship with food, but all it does is keep you a dependent on, I have to be thinking about information. I have to be tracking these things. I can't for your not, <laughs> yeah, I can't not be a part of it. It's just yes. keeping you, it's keeping you stuck in the Weight Watcher system or keeping you stuck in the diet totally. system yep. when, when, you know, I'm ready for the quote unquote diet that says we're going to really help you improve your relationship with food. Um, and then you won't need us anymore, which is exactly. what actually exactly. is. Exactly. <laughs> That's what we were saying. Yes, because you're stuck there. You're going back every time, spending money, and it's it's never over. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, even today, um, I've been struggling a lot with this company, but um, today they posted something on their social media about how not important your weight is like, or it was like a scale thing. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, and I commented on it and I was like, okay, WW, if our weight is not important, can we please stop making it mandatory to weigh in every time we come to meetings? So, so I see what you're saying there. It's like, you know, people kind of get really obsessive in the Weight Watchers community with the company and the brand and the Mm -hmm. lifestyle, quote unquote, and it's just, I, I just would love it's to crazy. help people move in a different direction. Right. And, and why these things work initially is how great is it? I now have this community of people who kind of get 
me. They, they, they share in this food and body angst and, and we're all going to support and cheer each other on. And when I have a good week or have a good day, I get, you know, I get pat, patted on the back. You deserve all the pats on the back and you deserve all of the support and all of the community, but you're so much more interesting than what you weigh and what you ate this week. Like who gives a shit? (laughs) Can we talk about like, like that's a two minute conversation. Now can we move on and like be real? Fuck yeah. I love that so much. And, and, and I know earlier you mentioned like doing things because you see everyone else doing those things. Right. So when I first joined the Weight Watchers community, I was posting my weekly weigh-ins and I was posting every single meal I was eating and the point values and all of those things, because that's what everyone else was doing. And after a while I realized, I was like, wow, this is really toxic. (laughs) It is. You're right. And it becomes a competition and it becomes just, if you're feeling ashamed, if you ever say to yourself, oh, I was bad because you ate a certain way, like that's, that's not a healthy, normal thought. Humans are not bad for eating. So, um, totally. or, or for gaining a pound right. overnight, or, or, that's or, normal, right. totally or normal, pounds, you know, over a season of life, um, or a period of time, your body's going to change and it's not a bad thing because you really have a lot more to offer. Truly those values that I was talking about a few minutes ago, if you sat down and you looked at that list, you have a lot to offer. You are very interesting. Um, dynamic person and these things, these values, that's what makes you, you. I like that a lot. (laughs) And I would say one thing for me, just being, uh, having a teenage daughter in my world, Mm -hmm. I really feel like that is another thing that people are not aware of how impactful their eating behavior and diet behavior can be. And so for me, I was very conscious of I don't think I ever talked about being on a diet, weighed a piece of food once in front of my child. She had not a clue that I was just trying. All she Mm -hmm. saw was that I'm eating more green juices. I'm eating more vegetables because I'm just trying to be healthier um, because they are inundated, you know, just inundated. And I don't think it's intentional, but I don't think parents realize, you know, when you're sitting there weighing everything that you eat in front of your kid, making comments about what they're eating. I mean, I I don't think they realize how it can trigger, you know, young girls into an eating disorder. And boys, all humans, all humans. A woman um, I work with her son. Transgender children. Yep. No, a woman that I work with, her son has been struggling with an eating disorder for for a big part of his life. I mean, Mm -hmm. So, yes, I've seen males in my practice, um, young, sometimes as young as 10, you know, they start to feel the pressure. There's pressure. I want to be an athlete. I have to, you know, I want to play this position in this sport. So they're doing dieting behaviors and compensatory weight, uh, weight loss behaviors that are really dangerous, um, because they have every one of us living in this consumer consumer obsessed world we are not taught to like ourselves we are not taught to respect our bodies when we turn on the tv we do not see diversity we 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 see you know thin white people and it's 
so what that just kind of becomes the framework that our brain thinks is what bodies and people should look like. And so now people are hating on certain bodies and, and, and right. Because we're, they're so we're, we're being told there, this is an ideal. And these young girls, they have so much access to things on social media that we yeah. did not have. Like it, that's why we're seeing an increase Just in eating disorders in these young women, because they, it's everywhere. And then if you are dieting in your home and you're making comments about, Oh, my thighs are so big. My butt's so gross. I'm so fat. She is saying to herself, see bodies are supposed to look a certain way. Certain way. Or even as a parent, I think making comments like you could lose a few mm-hmm. pounds to your children. You know Don't what I mean? I think a lot of people do that. A lot of people do it. And um, it's just at a very young age telling your kids that they're not good enough. Um, yes, and I've heard, you know, I have clients where a parent will make a comment and it has triggered an eating disorder. And I'm not trying to like shame any parents because again, none of us are taught to like our bodies and respect our bodies. So we're all conditioned to talk shit about our bodies and talk shit about the food that we eat. So I want you to have grace for yourself. And then I want you to really be really aware of what you say about food and what you say about bodies and, and to work really hard to not comment on bodies. No one's period. I think it's huge. I don't, I think people Mm -hmm. are just not aware of how, how impactful and how they, Mm-hmm. affect their children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, th- I think that that can be said, um, you know, in the social media world as well, especially mm-hmm. when yes. you are in quote unquote influencer, you have a following, even if you only have a couple hundred people, mm-hmm. the things that you say about yourself, how you react mm-hmm. to something like gaining a pound or overeating, like that affects other people. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, if we're talking about appearance or these appearance based things and, and it's only sending the message that this is a value appearance and the way that we look is, is important. I want to live in a society that's a little more interesting than that. <laughs> and so and a little more, <laughs> yes, you know, that has more to offer. So, yeah. you know, like how can we just talk more about, the interesting and the real things and less about the the weight and what we're doing to manipulate our weight, like get over it. And parents stop making comments about your body and your children's bodies. Just zip it. Yeah. And don't say this bad food, good food. That's my biggest. I had one of my daughter's friends came over and like, they're not allowed to have anything in their house. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like there's literally, there's, they're not allowed to have a lot of foods in their house. And my, my, I'll never forget my, my dorm mate was a gym gymnast when I went to mm. college and she would like go to the vending machine and just, I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I wasn't allowed to have sugar ever. Like, I mean, we yep. were not allowed to have sugar in my house. Mm. Like, and so I think that's another thing, like just, there is no good or bad. Let your kids have whatever. You, otherwise yeah. when they, you leave the house, they're at the store or that's where the binge eating and the secret eating and that's all that kind of stuff yes, that starts. Yes, that a problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. When we demonize food or we, we make it right or wrong, good or bad, and it causes all kinds of psychological issues around food. And 
um, not allowing foods in the house or making a food bad. I've had that with clients. Um, it does lead to scarcity issues. And um, even I even mentioned scarcity because poverty and access to food, you know, which is another problem with things like Weight Watchers or these diet programs. Some people truly do not have access to fresh fresh food. They, yeah, don't. they don't. They must eat what's available. And, and that it, it is what it is. Our system is gross in that way that we can't get, you know, those foods to all people, but not having access to a food type as a child can lead to eating issues as an adult that are very dangerous. And now we can have lunch with you on Instagram. Right? Yes. Yes. Oh, so. Mondays I go live at like 12. What, what I was saying, what I love about initially these kind of programs just initially is the support in the community, right? Yes. I'm what we have a community that we've created that is, is normalizing eating and is giving people permission. Look, eat what you want. Like, how do you accept your body? How do you feel more comfortable? And so we go live on Mondays and, and we eat together and we, I answer questions, but my recovery Academy community is also like online oh, offering that ask. kind of support, like 24 seven and learning, you know, how to kind of unfuck their relationship with their foods and their bodies. Um, it's so no matter wherever you live, yeah. no matter like, so if I live in Minnesota, Anybody. I can like access yeah. that program. I don't have Absolutely. to be in your state. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So, so, it, so what it, type, what does that look like? What type of like support is it? Is it like a portal? Yeah. Like, how does that work? It's the, it's the recovery Academy and it's, um, it, it's, um, it's a community of me teaching you about just different recovery topics, like kind of based on the community's needs. Like we talked about trauma and eating disorders. We've talked about exercise and eating disorders. And so I will create a educational video with worksheets and activities for you to do at home. And then inside the community 24 seven, we are talking and supporting and building on these concepts. Plus I'm live in that community a lot, offering a lot of just education and support. We have an online group option for people too. Like you get the community, but you also can join some groups where we eat together um, and just hang out and support each other. And then we also have opportunities for like one-on-one. -on -one. So I guess it kind of depends on, you know, what you're needing, but the community is the, is, is a fun way to learn a little bit about this food and body image work. How do I do it at home on my own? And I'm going to have this community helping me and supporting me and cheering me on, um, and helping me apply these concepts as I go through the Academy. I love it. Yeah. And I, I saw you also have a Facebook group, uh, the unfuck your body image. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> yes. So if you're yep. on Facebook, check that out too. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah. There's, that's a group for anybody to join. I just ask that we aren't assholes and trigger people, right? We're coming from a recovery place, but anybody can join that group. And we, we uh, the Monday's meal support is live in that group 
too. Oh, cool. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's awesome. And you do stream that live on Instagram as well and YouTube, correct? Yes. It's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and we go live on TikTok <clears throat> all at the same time because I wanted to, how can we reach more people? Not everybody's right. on Facebook. Not everybody's on Instagram. So we found a way to connect them all. And so we go live and hang out with a bunch of people and eat lunch and hang out. And how do we find you on Instagram? What's it? What's your handle on Instagram? So it's hey, H-E-Y underscore Dr. D-R-S-T-E-P-H. Hey underscore Dr. Steph. Perfect. Great. Yeah, and all my links to all these things are on there. Awesome. And we will link everything as well right. in the description and your website and everything. Um, I just absolutely love having you on. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Join us again. Thank yes. you so much. Yes. Yeah. And chat yeah. more. Let me know. I, I feel like these are topics we need to be talking more mm-hmm. about. Um, me too. Just mm-hmm. everybody. Like you said, I mean, we all have some type of fucked up relationship with food or our bodies yep. or both, right? Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so if you are a little just uncomfortable and miserable, just know you deserve to not be that way. Right. So you can, and it's not normal to feel that way. So you can feel better if you want to. I think that's a a great, a great way to end. Yes. Thank (laughs) thank you again so much, Dr. Steph. Thank you. It was Uh so nice to meet you. Yeah. Same. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please leave us a review. We greatly appreciate that. And we'll see you bitches next Monday. Bye.